Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, welcome back to the Heal the Hurt podcast. Today we're going to talk about how to conquer powerlessness. And this comes from a loyal watcher named Kim. And if you're a loyal watcher or listener, please get in touch with me. Send me ideas. All of this is meant to come up with solutions for her, for you. So today we're going to talk about what creates the feeling of powerlessness. What are the two forms of powerlessness? And ultimately what matters the most? What's the solution? so that you have the knowledge, which therefore allows you to gain a skill and use as a tool to conquer powerlessness and have that safety in your life that we all deserve, all right? Now, let's get started with where it comes from. Well, life itself. I mean, let's face it. The process of life is an overwhelming process. There is so much to learn and navigate. I mean, just trying to figure out how to be a parent, trying to figure out how to have relationships. We all go to school for many times, decades, to learn all, to gain all this knowledge, practice skills, think of the sports you play, the activities. There is so much to learn in life. And ultimately what's at the heart of powerlessness is a lack of knowledge. And when we don't have that knowledge, we don't know what to do. That's an overwhelmingly powerless position that we are all in. And that's why I'm always saying, literally to any topic I bring up, there's all one consistent solution. Go become an expert. Gain the knowledge so you can develop a skill which eventually becomes a tool that operates in your life and you conquer the problem, okay? So life itself creates powerlessness. As Tony Robbins likes to say, certainty, we're all lacking certainty, whatever you wanna call it, I like the clinical terms, but powerlessness is just a fact of life. But where do we learn the deeper essences of powerlessness? Well, that's our childhood, parenting. Let's face it, every parent's human. They're all perfectly imperfect. We all experience less than loving, less than kind moments as a child, some outright abuse. Those moments leave wounds in us. And here's a perfect example. And this shows you how people minimize their childhood and go, no, mine was great. The client, she's been telling me her childhood is great. She got in touch because she's dating a man. And she says, this is, happens to all of the men she dates. They just abandon her out of nowhere. They do these terrible, awful things that abandon her. She just finished telling me a story of how she was on a date with this man. They got in a fight and he forced her out of the car in a snowstorm, left her miles from her home. She had to walk in two feet of snow the snow's still coming down. She'd been abandoned. 
Well, as we started to talk about her childhood, I said, well, you know, what was childhood like? And she goes, well, I was raised by a single mother and my mother had to abandon me, um, but I was taken care of by my aunts and they were incredibly loving. And I just, I, I was struck. Did you hear what she just said? Did it strike you too? She said, I was abandoned by my mother, but I was raised by two wonderful aunts. There's the minimization. There's how we condone it and justify it and go, well, it's not a big deal. Suppress it and repress it. Yeah, my mom abandoned me, but it doesn't matter. My aunts love me. And so none of that is affecting me. She literally is experiencing and picking men that relive the dynamic of her childhood. Now, did her mother actually consciously choose, I'm abandoning her? Of course not. She was a single mother and would have to go off to work. She had no choice. This is what I mean. Parents are perfectly imperfect. What else was she gonna do? She had to put foot on the table. So in the process of doing that, her child felt abandoned. And so what she didn't realize, my client didn't realize is if she's telling me the story of this man she's dating, what she's telling me of the story of her childhood, she'd never made the connection. That that's why she keeps picking men who are gonna leave her with that same feeling. This happens to all of us. It's called the worst day cycle. All of us, any part of your life. If it's not working, it's always this. Everybody. We have to get over the denial and get into truth that we all had less than nurturing and perfectly imperfect moments in childhood and all of them are replaying and playing in our lives. We are reliving that trauma until we heal it. That's just a fact. I experienced that myself. Um, a massively powerless moment, 10 years old, wake up in the middle of the night, just to use the bathroom, open up the door. There's my mom, passed out naked on the toilet. It's the day I discovered she's an alcoholic. Horrifically powerless. I spent my teenage years throwing out alcohol, doing everything I could to try and control her drinking. But if you've been with an addict, you know you're powerless. They have to hit their bottom. What about my father? My father always had to be right. You couldn't like, I'd hold this up. What is this, scotch tape? And if he didn't want to believe it was scotch tape, he would argue to his death. My dad, because my dad was beat to death. Like this is heartbreaking. My dad was beat to death. Sometimes if he didn't eat his beans at dinner. So my dad's defense mechanism was, I can't be wrong. He was so filled with shame. My father had to be right. So my father, I would always be shunned and put down and I could never get him. Once he set his mind to something, I could never convince him otherwise. Well, that's totally powerless. I'll never forget the sentinel moment. The first time in my life I tried to challenge him, I was 18, 19 years old. My mom and I were, it wasn't really arguing. My mom and I didn't really argue, but it was like a spirited debate and we were getting a little loud. Well, my dad had a rule because four kids within five years of each other, our house was chaos, always fighting. So my dad to try and mitigate that would say, whenever two people are fighting, nobody jump in. Well, my mom and I are having this discussion. I hear my dad come barreling up the stairs from his office in the basement. Kenneth, stop it right now. Don't talk to your mother that way. And I like, 
I mean, like a sheep. I literally, and my body language is like this. I went, well, dad, I'm kind of confused. I thought your rule was if two people were in an argument or dispute, nobody can interrupt or get involved. I don't want to hear it. Stop it right now. Boom. He couldn't be wrong. I was completely powerless to have a discussion with my father. We've all been through those moments. That's the ultimate birthplace of our powerlessness. And I think if you look through your life, you're gonna see the powerlessness you're experiencing now is exactly like you experienced as a child. You're just reliving it. There's another aspect of parenting that most people don't consider. Throughout our childhood, all we're ever told is no. No, don't do that. No, don't do that. Stop, stop, no, no. And so what do we have to do in those moments? Our survival depends on our parents. So we have to say, yes. Okay, mom. Okay, dad. I'll do what you want. I'll stop doing this. We get conditioned to do what they want. Now, let's face it. Almost all the time, lots of things they're telling us are good things. Don't put your hand on the stove. Don't run across the street. Wonderful lessons. But many of the times, it's just like my father. They don't want to be wrong. And we always have to give in to that. We have to say yes to it. We learn that if I ever say no, I'm a bad child. And this has devastating consequences. This is at the heart of powerlessness. Hang in with me. I'm going to get to it. And I'm going to show you the solution to it. So what we have here are two forms of powerlessness. Now, if you really want to dig deep on it, I wrote all about it in my book, Your Journey to Success. Go, go much deeper than I'm able to in this. But basically what we have when we're feeling powerlessness is one, we are focusing on what we can't control versus what we can control. The second form of powerlessness is the inability to say no. We are saying yes to things we want to say no to. All right. So let's break down each of them and I'll give you solutions to both. The first thing is get a piece of paper, get two pieces of paper, really. On one side, put what I can control. On the other side, put what I can't control. List all the things like people, places, and things you have no control over. All right? All of them. And you might want to even have separate pieces of paper for each topic. There are millions of things we have absolutely no control over. But... We keep trying to control them and that's part of our problem. So that's why I want you to list them out so that you can start to see it. Now on the other side, list the people, places, and things you can control. Do you see what they are? Us, that's it. The only thing I can control are my thoughts, feelings, and actions, my behaviors. And so we create a list. How do I wanna think about things? How do I wanna feel about things? What actions do I want to take? How do I empower myself? How do I make myself feel loved? What sort of things can I think, feel, and do to regain my power? Well, there are millions of things. I can meditate. I can do affirmations. I can go for a walk. I can play or participate in a hobby that brings me joy. I can do work that fills my soul. Like these are all things we have total control over. We need a list of all of them. Now, here's the reason why. 
is so that when we get in the powerlessness of what we can't control, do you see what we go look at? Boom, what I can't control. And so this is, this should be, I don't know, tattooed across our forehead, but tattooed somewhere. Whenever we feel powerless, we should be constantly reminding ourselves, what do I have control of? So many of you that follow me are going through terrible breakups or you're in a terrible relationship or work isn't right. There's something wrong. You're feeling incredibly powerless. And what's getting you in, in trouble is you're replaying, oh my God, I can't do this. And I can't do this. And I can't do this. I can't do And I, ooh, I apologize. The way I did that sounded like I was making fun of you. I was like, I can't do this. Like uh, sometimes I'm just imperfect. I didn't mean it that way. That's not my heart. What I meant was we're focusing on all of this stuff. Well, that's why we have to ask ourselves, what can I control in this moment? And we immediately get over to that, all right? So let me give you an example. When I was learning about this process, I was going through a divorce and my ex was a narcissist and she was stealing all the money. And I come in, there's nothing I can do. What am I gonna do? She's destroying my credit, she's doing all this. And as my counselor, he just said one phrase, Kenny, what can you control? Wow, I was like, wow, what do I do with that? And I was like, well, credit cards, they're in my name. I can shut them down and open up new ones. The business is in my name. Why am I letting her control it? I can open up a whole new business account because she wasn't paying the bills. Do you see? So I went, I left that day and I got all of the stuff that was in my name or joint named. I canceled anything, all the old stuff. Well, the first thing I did is I opened up all new stuff. And then on a Friday morning, I pulled the trigger. I pushed the button. I moved everything over. I didn't shut down any of her stuff. I let, you know, but I took control of anything that was mine. Well, she went berserk. She went around to, well, I'll just leave that part out. But the point is this, I focused on what I can control. I stopped playing the victim. I stopped focusing on, oh my God, there's nothing I can do. That's just not true. I always have control of something. It's my choice, remember? What are my thoughts, feelings, and actions? My thoughts were I was playing the victim. There's nothing I can do. Therefore, my feeling was powerless. And therefore, my actions were to be helpless and do nothing. The second, I shifted and I focused on what can I control? My feeling changed. I became empowered. I saw ideas and solutions and I started to execute them with my behaviors. Boom, powerlessness gone. My credit was saved, the business was saved, everything turned around. That's the primary way we can shift this dynamic, all right? Now, there's one aspect to this of the what I can and can't control that takes a tremendous amount of patience and this will come later for most people in their development, in this journey that we're all on. I had to learn this. Sometimes when we are doing everything we can, we're doing it right, we're not obsessing about what we can't control, we're focusing on what we can control, and the problem isn't fixing. It's not going away. Well, you know what that means? That means there's a life experience waiting for you, and there is nothing you can do until that life experience happens. Let me give you an example. I have spent, 
God, over 30 years now working on myself. Started in my 20s. The majority of the work started 17 years ago after my marriage, first marriage, and I met my counselor and mentor. And over a 10 year period, I saw him probably seven years straight. Like if I added it all up, when the times I took breaks, it was probably seven years straight. He lived an hour and a half away, or his office. I'd go there every single week for seven years. I was working my tail off, groups, reading, researching, doing everything, but I couldn't get out of all the pain. I couldn't quite conquer it. I was doing great, lots of things were changing. Obviously my life was better, but I knew there was some pain I hadn't healed. I'll never forget. My second wife and I, we got engaged and Mike, Mike was also a pastor. And so I asked him if he'd be willing to marry us. And he said, you know, Kennedy, Kenny, let me think about it and I'll get back to you. Now, my fiance at the time, she was seeing his wife who was an expert in all this. So we we're both learning the same language, getting the same skills and tools. Like that's what was helping our relationship. So I saw him the next week and he goes, you know, Kenny, I've thought about it. And I think you and her still have quite a bit of pain to work through, but if it's what you want, I'll do it. Now, my thought was when he said that is, okay, he's exercising boundaries. He's recognizing we're still struggling, but he's not gonna be codependent, try and fix it. He's gonna let us go on the journey ourselves. Like I've learned enough. I'm like, okay, he's just being, you know, codependently guarded and boundaried appropriately. Well, what I didn't realize, and I don't know that he realized this, if it hadn't have been for my second marriage and nearly killing myself, I would have never figured all this out. I'd never discovered the cycle. I'd have never found peace and freedom. I needed to break myself so severely for me to finally get peace because of how desperately bad that divorce was, it forced me to stop controlling things. See, that was my defense mechanism as a kid is I would constantly be hypervigilant, trying to figure everything out before it ever happened. Well, that level of control is what was killing me. Well, I, I, I had done all this recovery work, but I'd never given that piece up. Well, being suicidal made me realize I'll die unless I do it. Boom. It's when I learned the let it come philosophy, like this, the day I did it, all this insight, everything I'd ever wanted just goes, just got that next two years was like spiritual unloading. Everywhere I turned, it was answer, 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 answer. And so my point to you is, if you're doing all this and it's not quite working out, you might have a life experience waiting for you. So just sit back in your chair and go, I don't know what it is, but it's coming and I'm gonna let it come. I have a whole chapter in my book on how to let it come. It's the same thing with everything I do here. When stuff isn't working, I go, that's why I'm tan. The reason I'm so tan is so much stuff doesn't work in my life and I go lay by my pool. I'm like, ah, let it come. It'll work itself out. I've done all the things I can control Solution hasn't happened, well, then it's pool time. I'm not a grinder. That's a waste of time. It's useless. The Gary Vaynerchuk model, go, go, go. You do 10 times as much work 
and make half as, pro half as much progress. Complete waste of time, and it kills you in the process. Now, don't misunderstand me. Gary's a great guy, teaches great things, but that whole grinder thing, I've, all I've ever seen it do is destroy people. So that's solution number one. Solution number two, remember what we struggle with because of childhood? Saying no. So I'm gonna give you a couple magic phrases. And by the end of this, any person who struggles with saying no, you're gonna see, oh my God, this works every time. This is, this is magic. The first thing to do, whenever a request comes in for anything, is to respond, you know what? Let me think about it and I'll get back to you. Just pause, just pause. You don't have to say yes, they are not your parent. You don't owe them anything. It is your life, it's your decision. Just buy yourself time because we need this time to help because I'm gonna give you the process to learn to start saying no. And this gives you the time, buys you the time so you can work the process and gain the strength to stand up for yourself and break that destructive habit we got taught in childhood. <clears throat> so after you ask yourself, or after you communicate to them, let me think about it, I'll get back to you. Now you ask yourself three incredibly important questions. One, will I ever keep score that I did this for them? Two, will I ever throw it in their face that I did this for them? And three, Will I ever have any resentment that I did this for them? Now you notice those are basically all the same question, but in my experience with working with clients, they all use one of those three statements. They all mean the same thing, but each person has their own individual way of expressing it. And that's why it's three questions. And here's why. Do you see, if you throw it in their face, if you keep scoring, you have resentment, that means you never wanted to do it. It was a manipulation. You just did it to get them to like you or because you were afraid they wouldn't like you, or you thought you were gonna get in trouble, just like when you were a child. This, these, these feelings are childhood. We're stuffed with resentment. We're stuffed with keeping score of all the times we kept our mouths shut for our parents and did what they wanted. We're throwing it back in their face, maybe not directly, but indirectly, at Christmas dinner to our brother and sister. I'm so sick of these guys, we've done, we've done this all our lives. It's always what they want. And so we need to ask ourselves. Now, if we ask ourselves those questions and we realize, yeah, I'll never throw it in their face. I won't resent them. Then we can say yes. We can do it freely and we won't feel powerless. All right? Now, let's say you've gone through that process and you recognize, shoot, I'm going to hold this against them. I'm going to bring it up. Under the right circumstances, I will. Well, now you use magic phrase number two. You go back to the person and you say, you know, I've thought about it and it just doesn't work for me. Isn't that beautiful? Do you see why that works? Think about it. How do you feel when someone says no to you? You feel attacked. Why? Because of childhood, you felt attacked back then. It's the exact same thing. So when I communicate to them, you know, that just doesn't work for me. One, they're not attacked because I'm making it about me. I'm not saying no to you. See, no feels like they're attacking me. No to you, the person. It's not, but that's how we feel. And that's why we make it all about us. And we say, you know, I've thought about it. 
and that just doesn't work for me. Now, do you see, no matter what they say, they can't talk you out of it. Because that's our biggest problem with saying no, is somebody will say, well, why not? So let's go through that exercise. So you say to them, you know, that just doesn't work for me. Well, why not? Because it just doesn't work for me. Well, what does that mean? It means it doesn't work for me. Well, what about it doesn't work for you? Well, it just doesn't work for me. <laughs> you see, it's magic. I don't care what they throw at you. You just repeat it. And you know why you repeat it? Because they're not your mother. They're not your father. Even if they literally are, you're now a 20, 30, 50 year old adult. You're not a child. You get to make your own decisions. You get to say, it doesn't work for me for whatever reason. And I don't owe you an explanation unless I want to give it. That's what works for me. I'm an adult. Can you feel how powerful that is? It's not condescending. It's not rude. It's not telling them that their request is bad or what they want is wrong. It has nothing to do with them. It's I've thought about this. And ultimately, what I've realized is if I said yes to this, I'm going to treat them like dirt. I'm going to throw it in their face and I'm going to hold resentment and anger. And that means it's a block to intimacy. I won't like them. And I'll be to blame for that because I could have said this doesn't work for me. But instead, I did it. And now they don't even know that I'm sitting here in silent resentment. Don't even like you because of what I did to myself and inadvertently did to you. Man, is that power and is that love and is that kindness? Can you see that? How beautiful that is? If you want to learn a lot more about that, I have a whole chapter in my book, The Power of Saying No. It is literally the most loving thing you can ever say to anyone. And when you learn the inner workings of it and how to execute it, it will, every client, it's every client I ever work with, I have to teach them this. And it's almost always one of the most significant moments in their life that completely changes their whole dynamic with themselves and every facet of their life. So there you have it. There are your solutions to powerlessness, to help you overcome this so you can live in the empowered state we all deserve. Kim, thank you so much for the wonderful question. Again, if you're a listener and you're like, man, I really want to learn about something, send it to me. I can't help you if you don't tell me. If you think this will help somebody else, please share it, like it, leave a comment. Let me know how this impacted you. And if you want to subscribe, you know, if you'd like to keep coming back for this stuff and learning all of this. And finally, as I always say, enjoy the journey.